Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ask a CISO podcast powered by Harangi. Every month you get insider security tips and insights on the newest trends in cybersecurity from top CISOs to help you improve your domain knowledge and get better at your job. My name is Yang Tio and I'm the Regional Content Marketing Manager at Harangi. With me today we have none other than Harangi CTO and co-founder Lee Saltz. So Lee is a repeat entrepreneur and a veteran of the cybersecurity field who is driven to find hard problems, solve them and explore different cultures and their points of view. He has a need to solve new problems and find better ways to solve old ones. Most days he spends his time investigating cybercrime, mentoring new security professionals, and coaching executives in security best practices. Previously, he was a senior security consultant at Nuix and Trustwave. Also, he was a forward deployed security engineer at Palantir. So Lee himself holds a Bachelor of Science in Information Assurance from Capella University. So Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Yang. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to uh, you know share my experience and uh, my thoughts on on uh, these topics. Awesome. I've been looking forward to this discussion for some time now, and uh, I think we're going to have a great one. So, Lee, I understand you have spent quite a bit of time investigating like publicly reported cyber attacks, and you've even helped write a blog post recently. I worked with you on that. Um, so, the blog post was on leak and chain ransomware on our Harangi blog. It so happens that over the last few weeks, there's been a streak of ransomware attacks, right? And this, this has hit all kinds of organizations from tech and medical to research universities. So I, no, the question I, want, I have is like, should this trend be shocking and should other firms be worried? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, should it be shocking uh, to, to uh, certainly us or to new firms? I don't really think so. You know, as we discussed uh, a, a few times previously, um, the new ransomware is going to come out, especially with the realities in, uh, that we're facing in, in COVID that kind of changes the landscape for attackers. But uh, I just don't think it's shocking. Uh, we stay fairly plugged into the trends and tactics uh, that adversaries are using against uh, folks in the region. Um, but there is definitely cause for concern and, and um, customers in the region should be worried. And many folks, they don't have any types of uh, data backup or reco recovery capabilities. It makes them pr uh, particularly vulnerable to ransomware and it makes the impact of ransomware um, extremely impact impactful, negatively impactful to their business. Uh, you know, not to mention uh, a lot of new ransomware campaigns are deploying leak and shame tactics. So sometimes uh, in the past you get ransomware and it affects a non-critical portion of your environment. You can kind of uh, you can almost kind of ignore it from a business or, or an executive perspective. You know, it, it will definitely cause some disruption in the organization, but it's not critical. However, with the public uh, leak and shame tactics that we're seeing deployed through numerous campaigns, uh, even if it's not a critical portion of your infrastructure that's affected, uh, it, it becomes public and they shame you. So you have to you have to take some sort of action uh, action against that. And a lot of these new ransomware uh, campaigns that we're seeing are targeting the types of technology and targeting the critical infrastructures in, in uh, organizations in this region, which is the first time that, that we've seen this at Harangi. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great point. I think it's going to lead to an interesting discussion that we'll, we'll have a little bit later. Through these attacks and these recent attacks, some of these ransomware strains that have been deployed include like um, Wasted Locker, Defray, NetWalker, so all kinds. So the question I have is, is there a reason why attackers will prefer one strain over the other? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, in my experience over 
most of my career, and, and especially in Southeast Asia, or the most recent stuff, uh, most recent campaigns we've seen in the past several months, uh, you know, adversaries select ransomware or other malware strains based on two factors. One, the, the technology the victim uses. You know, will this ransomware actually deploy on their critical systems? And second, the payment method the, the victims can actually use. So if they do deploy, um, you know, for, for a long time, uh, or well, I'd say a long time, there's several examples out there where, where ransom, uh, ransomers would demand US dollars, but not everybody can pay in US dollars. Uh, you know, there's several examples out there of ransomware folks uh, looking to use cryptocurrency, but not everybody can play in cryptocurrency. Uh, I think the payment plays a very far second seat and the technology the victim uses is the primary factor attackers use to determine which malware malware strain they're going to deploy. Okay. I guess it, it's dependent on like the organization itself is in, like whether it's uh, in the cloud on-prem. Like currently we're like um, we're remote and many businesses are operating from all over their homes. So. This, this also probably affects how the, uh, an attacker would think about the ransomware to use. Yeah, you know, so when I ask myself the question, uh, does the way I defend uh, my organization change based on the types of ransomware that emerge? Like, the way I defend my organization depends on the, org or depends on the infrastructure that I have, but it comes, it comes back to backups. You know, ransomware targets, generally targets stored data. Sometimes it locks down uh, critical symptoms or systems that you have, so you can't process or use those systems. But generally speaking, uh, ransomware gen uh, will target, you know, store, stored data of some variety. So it's really all about those backups. Uh, the faster you can get your critical your critical data back online, the rest the, the less impact ransomware attack of any kind is, is going to uh, impact your organization. Now, I would say that there are some ransomware that targets servers and those critical systems specifically, and there's other ransomware that targets workstations. Uh, in my experience, and this is kind of a uh, controversial opinion, and there's there's various opinions on this based on personal experience. Uh, you know, I think that. Uh, server-based ransomware or ransomware that, that, that um, destroys critical data is much more impactful in the long term, maybe not in the short term. Uh, and I think that, that ransomware that impacts workstation is less impactful in the long term, and, but much more, much more it, it just causes a lot more operational friction. So, you know, for Harangi's currently current footing in this COVID environment, you know, all of our employees are working from home, like 90-something percent of our employees are, are working from home. So um, it increases the impact that a workstation uh, workstation ransomware would attack would have in the short term because it's much more difficult to deliver new laptops or to go and uh, reinstall an operating system on a laptop right now. It's not something that we could sit down and bang out in two or three days, you know, with with really long shifts. Um, however, you know, if somebody destroyed the past five years worth of Harangi data, that might that might not be the thing that we ever recover from. However, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's just the nature, the nature of the beast in this case. I think uh, it doesn't matter what the ransomware strain is. That doesn't really inform how I'm going to defend my organization. What really informs how I'm going to defend my organization is are the technologies that I'm going to use. And the number one thing that you have to have are backups for your critical data stores, and then you have to have a robust way to restore workstations in your environment. If you've got those two things. Uh, you'll be in pretty good shape if you get hit with ransomware.
yeah, this, this is a great answer. The, the foundations of cybersecurity, no matter how technology changes, you, you know you're in a good place. And I guess we have written a few articles on, on how organizations can get themselves in a better shape to defend themselves against ransomware attacks. We do always hear about ransomware attacks on large corporations that are, you know, a lot of them are household names. And the payouts for these ransoms could be from $500,000 to maybe tens of millions, right? So to your, to your knowledge, what is the proportion of that compared to unreported cases? And as a follow-up to that, for these smaller companies, what is the kind of ransom amount that they can expect? Ugh, uh, that's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I would say um, we're talking about the known, um, the known and recorded uh, uh, crime versus what has been called the, the dark figure of crime. Uh, now the dark figure of crime has been something that the world has dealt with for, you know, since written history. So there's, I can't even hazard a guess as to what the unreported, uh, unreported sums might be. I just don't know. I don't think anybody does, except for maybe the attackers themselves. Uh, as far as what the payouts are, it's going to vary wildly case from case and organization to organization. And uh, while I do stay abreast of current trends, I don't dedicate uh, a majority of my time to re researching payouts and the specific strains of malware and the specific attackers responsible for those. So I don't know what the payouts look like or how, you know, what their tactics and techniques are to charge, you know, some of them might charge different companies, different, uh, different ransoms. Uh, some of them might charge, you know, the same ransom across multiple organizations. Uh, I'm just not, I'm just not sure on that. Uh, but what I can say is, uh, you know, since I've been in Singapore, I've seen numerous small companies go out of business, uh, both in Singapore and other places in, in Southeast Asia, because they didn't have any backups and they had no ability to pay the ransom. With this also, I think it brings us to an interesting point of contention or discussion in the security field, because there are ransoms that are big amounts and sometimes they could it be too big for you to pay. And sometimes it is, it might be, seem reasonable to pay, but the question that a lot of people um, debate about is, should you pay the ransom? So I want to, I want to ask you for your point of view on this matter. Oof. Uh, I guess I have two questions or two, two answers to this question as a uh, cybersecurity expert and someone who's worked with uh, numerous government agencies in numerous uh, countries to apprehend these types of folks. Um, you know, the answer that I would have to give in most cases is generally no, don't don't pay the ransom because it provides positive reinforcement to the adversary. It makes their efforts fruitful. Um, it makes it a profitable line of business for that criminal organization. So they'll just keep doing it. Um, on the other side of that coin, though, you know, now I'm and uh, I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a business owner of a fairly large business. And I can say if the ransom is certainly fatal, fatal, or you know, if, if Haranga got hit with ransomware and it was certainly fatal, fatal to our company, we would be insane not to pay. Like, if if we got hit with ransomware and there was no doubt that we would go out of business for not paying, what other alternative do you have to keep to keep your company afloat? Um, you know, and kind of the kind of the other analogy there is: Would you pay a ransom for your child? If there was no other way, if there's no other chance of reco recovery, of course you would. It's the only sane option there is out there. So uh, it's really not, it's not clear. It's a case by case type of situation. You know, what is the actual impact to your business? Uh, are you looking at paying that ransom because it actually is critical or it actually is life threatening to that organization? 
or is there just a, in a uh, overly aggressive response because this is the first real real crisis that businesses had to respond to? Uh, not a clear answer there on any case to case basis, and there's not a blanket answer that I'm going to provide for for everybody as a whole. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. I guess we sometimes believe that businesses have the luxury of having many options, but it, is, it appears that sometimes it's just you either pay or you go out of business. There's no in between yeah. in there. So I, I do want to ask on this if you're comfortable to share, if you, like without naming any companies or in, individuals, is there a case, a, a ransomware case you've worked on that, uh, that you're comfortable sharing and you know they ended up paying and what was like the thought process behind all of that? Sure, I've, I've worked several cases uh, where, uh, more than 10 cases where companies have paid the ransom. Uh, some of them I didn't really provide any advice on, uh, on whether they should pay or shouldn't pay. And other times I've, I've indicated that I didn't think that it would be beneficial for that organization to pay, and they paid anyway. Uh, and there's generally two outcomes. If you're going to pay a ransom, you have to make sure that you secure yourself against the initial infection vector before you pay the ransom, or they're just going to reinfect you and you're going to get ransomed, ransomed a second time. That's really the biggest danger of paying a ransom. Um, now, the other side of that is if you can just pull down, you know, if um, if you can pay the ransom and pull down a backup fast enough, there's, is, there's kind of a race condition there. I don't advise that. It's, uh, if you're going to pay, make sure that you identify how, how the attackers got in and how they infected you in the first place. Remediate that issue. Make sure there's not a second, uh, a second stage malware or third stage, stage malware in there that allow, allows the attacker persistent access. Um, and then, uh, you know, at that point, it's less of a bad idea to pay. But yeah, there's, there's numerous examples out there. I would say it's 50-50 whether payment actually led to a successful outcome for the business. Uh, it's just not really a clear answer. Ransomware is really nasty stuff. Uh, the tactics that, that, that these guys are using these days are just purely diabolical. Just a, it's, it's all around a bad day if you get hit with this. Yeah, there's, yeah, if basically if, you, if you're not properly prepared for it, it's just going to be nasty. There's, exactly. There's, there's backups, no backups, backups. We cannot emphasize that enough. Have backups. No. If you don't know, uh, you don't know what to do. Ask someone who has experience, and uh, they'll guide you through all of that. Yeah. Um, so just, I think this leads well to what I'm going to ask about. Um, because like Karangi, we've written quite a few articles on preventing and responding to ransomware. Um, so your top advice for them, obviously, it's, it's the backups, right? It, but you have, if you have to give a, a crash course now to businesses who, you know, a lot of them have a significant portion of their workforce working remotely, what would your top advice be for these people? What kind of common mistakes can they try to avoid in the defense against ransomware attacks? Sure. Uh, the first one is don't click on, like, when you receive email, a, a lot of malware is, is delivered via email. With that in mind, don't click on any links you're not expecting, especially if you don't know who, who that person is. Um, generally speaking, I don't click on any links from outside my organization. I don't even care if I am expecting it. Uh, and also, don't open any attachments you're, uh, you're not expecting. Same, same rule applies, especially if you're getting an attachment from someone you don't know, don't open it. If you're getting an attachment from, from outside the organization, don't open it. Uh, now there's a, there's going to be times when you can't avoid that, such as if you're if you're an auditor or consultant or you're a salesperson who's expecting to to get or maybe a legal team who's expecting to get signed document 
documents back from somebody, every time you look at those documents or those links that you're getting, make sure that it's actually that person and actually their, their uh, legitimate email address and not some obfuscated email address that's, or, or, or spooked email address that just appears the same, but it's not. Uh, and then the last, last thing, like I said, backups, backups, backups. Back up your critical system so that, you know, every 24 hours is my personal rule of thumb. I think the industry's is about a week. Um, at our systems at Harangi are backed up numerous times a day for our critical infrastructure. Uh, and we also maintain golden images of our workstations. So if we do have something, um, if we do have something um, detonate on our workstations, it doesn't take us in a, a crazy amount of time to restore those either. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I mean, great, great answer. The best practices are out there. You can definitely go to the internet and, and follow them. And as for the not clicking on stuff that you're not unexpecting, um, we, we, had a, we had a guest recently, uh, Greg Barbarcia, also saying, trust your spidey sense, right? Like it's probably usually right. And in the, in the game that I play, uh, we, we always talk about if you think the enemy is there, they probably are. Don't even bother trying to check them. Trust your gut right there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You have any final words for the audience before we close? Please? Yeah. I mean, you know, just look. Like cybersecurity is not rocket rocket science. Uh, there are definitely aspects of cybersecurity that are very difficult, and you know they take a time. Uh, they take time to understand. But really, dedicating some time and under and, and really dedicating uh, some prioritized effort to uh, certain cybersecurity controls go a long way to prevent and respond to any category of attack, especially ransomware, which is most prevalent these days in Southeast Asia. Um, and you know, if you struggle with this or if you do get hit with some ransomware, you know, Harangi is here to help. So don't forget that. Just feel free to give us a call, and, and we'll help you work through the situation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lee, thanks so much for joining us on the show and sharing your insights. Um, to those listening to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Once again, you've been listening to Ask a CISO, and this is Yang Kyo and Lee Salt signing off.